Welcome to Pedagogue, a podcast about teachers talking writing. I'm your host, Shane Wood. In this episode, Andrew H.E.M. talks about writing center pedagogy, the challenges and joys of writing center work, training and developing new tutors, and teaching and tutoring culturally and linguistically diverse students. Andrew H.E.M. is currently a PhD student in the Composition and Applied Linguistics program at Indiana University of Pennsylvania. He'll begin his new job as the assistant director of the University of Nevada, Las Vegas Writing Center in July 2022. He currently serves as the assistant director of the IUP Jones White Writing Center, the graduate co-editor of the Peer Review, and president of the Composition and TESOL Association that serves graduate students in the Cal program. In addition, he works as an English instructor at Wachow University in China and serves as an intern for the Conference on College Composition and Communications Wikipedia Initiative cohort. Andrew, thanks so much for joining us. Your teaching and research interests are in writing centers and writing center pedagogy. Can you talk more about how you incorporate a writing center pedagogical approach to teaching writing? What are some of the foundational ideas or principles behind this approach to teaching? Thank you so much for asking me that question, Shane. So for me as you know, an assistant director and also teaching in China, the two things I always have to consider when incorporating writing center pedagogy into my teaching is what you can consider like directive approaches and non-directive approaches. So in writing center pedagogy, you know, for tutor training, a lot of our tutors, including myself, were trained that you have to have a really fine line or balance between how much directive feedback you give to your students and also how much non-directive feedback you give. And I also do the same in my teaching. So for example, when I'm teaching students, you know, in the writing center or also my classes, you know, I always try to provide targeted feedback where I'm not always gonna say like, oh, good job on that paper, or, you know, this needs some correction. What I wanna work with my students on is, okay, I read your sentence. This is how I interpret it. Is this your original meaning? And if we say, oh, Andrew, yes, that's the original meaning behind my sentence. Then from there, I'll give them some more directive feedback and say, okay, here are some, you know, ways or strategies that you can reincorporate the sentence. If they're telling me, Andrew, actually your, my interpretation, your interpretation doesn't align, I think from there, I also give directive feedback and give them some strategies on all right. So you, you're, what you say in your head is maybe not being translated onto paper. So as a tutor, or as your teacher, let me give you some strategies or some techniques or some ways that you can help express yourself so your audience can understand you. And if it's like a one-on-one, you know, tutoring session, it's much easier for me to, you know, sit down with a student, point things out. In a classroom setting, it becomes a little bit more difficult since I'm navigating 20 to 30 students. So I think when I'm doing feedback, we call it in the writing center pedagogy, we have like either synchronous appointments where, you know, you and I are talking, we're looking at your paper and I'm giving you feedback right away um, through talking. Um, what happens more in my classes is more asynchronous feedback, where for a lot of my students, before I even talk to them one-on-one, I'm usually looking at one of their earlier drafts and giving them feedback through Microsoft Word or even video comments. So for example, if we go with the synchronous format, if I'm in the writing center or in a classroom and I'm talking to a student one-on-one, Generally, I'm going to set start, I'm going to set up an agenda, right? So I'll spend the first few minutes talking to the student, asking them, okay, welcome to the writing center or welcome to my classroom. Like, what are some of your previous experiences with writing, with the assignment? How can I help you? You know, we'll have a good conversation, get them comfortable if we're in the writing center or in a classroom. And then from there, we'll start to like narrow down some agenda items on, right? So you want to work on organization and transitions. 
let's see how we can incorporate that into your writing. And same goes with an asynchronous appointment. If the writer isn't there, and there's also, it's really fascinating because there's always been a lot of debate recently in writing center pedagogy on the asynchronous format where people are like, is it a writing center appointment or is it just someone correcting someone's work? And there's been a lot of uh, research that talk about you know, people's views on asynchronous. I think for me personally, I think asynchronous can be a very effective tool for a writer. It is hard because I can't see them face to face, but I'm able to give them feedback on Microsoft Word comments and try to contextualize it and then encourage them to come see me in a face to face appointment or, you know, send me questions. Need be. So I think from there, those are the two ways I approach writing in the classroom or in the writing center is doing some more directive, directive tutoring, giving them some very targeted suggestions. And then also at other times being more non-directive and then just asking them a lot of questions and then seeing where their ideas go and help facilitate that information. Andrew, you're the assistant director of the Jones White Writing Center. What are some of the challenges to this administrative work? And then what are some of the joys? Sure. Let me talk about the joys first. So yeah, I've been working in writing centers for the past four to five years. So I, I worked at a writing center at Purdue University, DePaul University, which is in Chicago, and then also now I'm the assistant director at the Indiana University of Pennsylvania. And what I really enjoy about working in a writing center is that, you know, we try to be inclusive for the entire campus community. And we try to help any writer who comes into the writing center with any kind of draft at any stage. And I know a lot of people make the assumption that the writing center is only for freshman writers, their professors make them come, or it's only for English papers. How can you help me for a business paper or a science paper or, you know, a nursing paper? And I've gotten, you know, some nursing papers in the past. But what the joy of the writing center for me is that as a space, our ultimate goal is to help people become better writers. And it's also a free service. So, you know, you're paying for your tuition, you're able to come in, you know, find the tutor you really enjoy. And what's been interesting about the shift with COVID is that a lot of writing centers, especially the IUP writing center, is that before COVID, the IUP writing center was primarily in person. There was no, you know, Zoom or asynchronous format. So because of COVID, you know, we have now more opportunities for students to, you know, make appointments online, meet with me face-to-face -face over Zoom. They can come into the actual writing center as a space, you know, and talk to me. We can, you know, chat and help see how we can help them. Or they're also able to send in their documents, you know, through Microsoft Word. Just in general, the writing center, the, the overall nature is to just help better writers with their writing. And it can be, you know, at any stage of the writing process. Like I've, I've helped so many writers um, recently and, you know, I've had some students, they just come in, they have no draft and they're like, Andrew, I don't know where to start. I'm not a good writer. And, you know, as a writing center tutor, direct uh, assistant director, you know, it's always great to just tell them that, you know, it's all about practice and then, find, and then helping them encourage, encourage themselves to, you know, start here keep working at it. And like any skill in life, you know, if you put in the practice and the effort and a tutor can help you do it, then they themselves writers feel more confident. So I, I think for me, that's like what makes what's I love about the writing center is that we're just helping people with any part of the writing stage at the end of the day. Um, I definitely think some of the challenges, especially with COVID recently was, um, I didn't start my position until last August in August of 2020. But I definitely knew, you know, talking to my current director, like, some of the major challenges is were number one, a lot of writing centers, including ours, didn't necessarily have the capacity to do asynchronous appointments right away. And also for a lot of the tutors, what made it difficult for tutors in the writing center was 
you know, a lot of tutors have very strong opinions on, you know, asynchronous appointments and synchronous appointments. Like some of our own tutors at the Writing Center I've talked to in the past, you know, some of them really love the asynchronous model. Others are not as favorable with the model. Like they, they'll do it, but they're not really in favor of the model. And some people are kind of in the middle where they like the mixed modality. They really like the asynchronous and the synchronous for different reasons. So, and I also think some of the other challenges is helping people understand the purpose of the writing center. Because a, a lot of times with professors, you know, they'll send their students to the writing center, but it'll make it sound like the writing center is like this model where we're only here to correct grammar or you're only coming for your grades. So a lot of times students will be, I'll ask them, so why do you come to the writing center? Are you for your help? And they'll say like, oh, my professor wanted me to come or it's a part of the grade or the requirement, and then they'll never come back. So I think it's also trying to help, I guess the writing you know, community on campus or other faculty understand that the writing center, while we're a great resource for helping you know, maybe correct some grammatical mistakes, we're much more than just a grammar correction service. And that's something I'm hoping to reinforce with my own writing center in the future. As the assistant director, you also train and develop new tutors. How do you go about this process? And what are some writing center practices and strategies that you feel like tutors should be mindful of before each consultation or writing center session? No, that's a great question, Shane. So when it comes to um, training new tutors at the IUP Writing Center, which I've been doing recently, it's been a little bit of a different model because, you know, a lot of models I've been under in the past where I've actually been trained as a tutor is you would take an entire class, you would do 16 weeks of a class, and then you would have about a month shadow tutors. And we kind of do that at the IEP Writing Center, where for a lot of our new tutors, we were recently approved for the uh, CRLA training. I think it's a college and reading learning association training. So for all our tutors, especially last semester, they all have to go through level one in order to you know complete the requirements as tutors. So generally what happened last semester was we had about 10 to 12 new tutor, tutors, some were graduates, some were undergraduate. And they after their initial training on day one, where we had a six hour you know, new tutor training session, orientation session, we ran through, you know, how does WC online work, you know, which is the appointment schedule we use at IEP. Um, we also talked about like, you know, general practices, how do you, you know, introduce yourself, how do you write your letter? You know, then I would do follow trains with every single new tutor. So we did bi-weekly or bi-monthly training. So we did about four or five of them. And in each session, you know, I would, you know, walk them through CRLA training level one, which is, you know, they have to do two observations of two of two other tutors appointments. And they also have to do one self-observation of themselves. And then at the end of the semester, they would meet with me, you know, 45 minutes to an hour and they would kind of just like walk me through what they saw in the other tutors appointments and also their own. So I can kind of just see the progression as their semester goes on. And in addition for each um, biweekly training session, it was, it was centered on a theme. So I think some of the topics we did last semester is we did one on working with multilingual writers slash L2 writers. Um, we did another one on how do you, you know, address asynchronous feedback, especially literature reviews. So there's just, those are some of the um, things that I've done as the assistant director at IUP is, you know, we're not necessarily doing a class, but we're doing bi-monthly uh, bi training sessions. And I'm also making sure that all the tutors are completing that CRLA level one where they are observing other tutors practices. And once they complete all that training and I meet with them and I feel like they're ready to go, then, you know, we'll, we'll open them up for tutoring and 
you know, they'll hit the ground running. And I think that's a model that um, can be approached for any writing center out there. What's also helpful too, is that I took a class with my boss and also my professor, Dr. Dana Driscoll, who's the current head of the IUP Writing Center. And she actually taught a course on writing center administration. So I actually have also some other lesson plans that I had to develop with a group a few months ago. So I do have a lot of plans that I currently have in my portfolio that I'll be redeveloping. But I, I think overall, if a writing center is looking to train their new tutors, I think the general model would be if they can set up some sort of class or course, give it a few months. There's a lot of like readings out there. I mean, there's like always that classic one by Stephen North, you know, I think from 1984. There's other, you know, really good writing center pedagogy um, readings that I have in my files that I can always recommend to others. And then also just incorporating, you know, observations where tutors can observe others um, tutors observations and I just think overall like just facilitating the process and making sure that you're checking with each tutor and making sure they feel comfortable and ready to be open up for tutoring and once you follow that process then I think from there you know it takes time right a lot of our new tutors they, they're tutoring for a semester or even a year before they really feel comfortable being a tutor and it takes time so I think this, it's a good way to get them ready and started but then also knowing that they're always going to be learning on the job. So I, I think also doing like follow-up training sessions will be helpful too for any writing center out there. You mentioned earlier teaching writing in different contexts, Purdue, DePaul, Indiana University of Pennsylvania. You're also currently teaching in China at Wachow University. And you were an English instructor in South Korea from 2015 to 2017. So you've taught in a range of institutional settings, across culturally and linguistically diverse student populations. How do you approach teaching and tutoring linguistically diverse students? And maybe even more specifically, how does writing center pedagogy influence how you approach giving feedback to multilingual writers? Well, I think what's really interesting about working with like multilingual or L2 writers is that the way I approach it is from a few different stances. I would say the first one being that, you know, everyone has this assumption of L2 writers. I know there's like a lot of research out there. People will put L2 writers into a category. And there's a really good book by Ben Rafith when he talks about like, you know, working with multilingual students. And in that book, he talks about how, you know, there's a lot of terminology out there. And I think a lot of scholars in the L2 field, I mean, they might agree with some of the terminology or they might disagree with some of the terminology. I've heard the word multilingual, international, L2, ESL, EFL, EAL. There's a lot of terminology out there. And when you like look at how those populations are defined. I think there is some, you know, contention on how those terms can be defined. But I think just working with students from other countries in general, the first thing I always try to do is there's a really good reading. I think it was from Paul Kamasuda and someone else. They talk about like three stances that tutors could take on. It's the um, assimilationist stance, the accommodationist stance, and the separatist stance. And I'm trying to go back into my notes, into my head on what those stances were. But those three stances, they talk about how you want to maybe take on a more of an accommodationist stance or a separatist stance where you help the, whatever terminology is described to L2, international, EAL, EFL, ESL, whatever writer you're working with, you want to help them find ways to, you know, bridge their previous experiences in another culture into the current, you know, context they're writing for. So that's more of the, you know, accommodationist stance where you help writers, you know, you're not completely eliminating what they learned in their previous context in writing, but you're helping 
enhance it or find ways to bridge it to what they're writing for U.S. writing. And same with a separatist stance where you're helping them maybe maintain like separate linguistic identities, but they're still very relevant. And what they advocate against is this assimilationist stance, which happens, I think, a lot in writing, where writing teachers especially will just correct their students' grammar, and then they'll tell their students, all right, this is the right, this is the only way to do it. And I think for me, I try to be very open to the fact that I want my students to understand that there's a variety of Englishes out there. You know, when you look at Suresh Kanagaraja and a lot of those other scholars doing translingualism or translanguaging work, they talk a lot about how writers can have access to their multiple modalities of language. And especially, you know, when it comes to like standard English versus other varieties of English, I always encourage my writers to, you know, bring in their other languages, you know, bring in what they've learned from previous writing situations into their writing. However, I do admit there is always that for me in a classroom, I can always, you know, I have to also navigate the institutional line for at a university where I always tell my students that, you know, and it, I don't want to sound hypocritical at times, but I do understand that I tell my students, we have access to all these varieties of English and you can use them in your writing. But sometimes when you're writing for maybe a certain, you know, job or a certain class, you might sometimes have to consider what those perspectives are and also incorporate that into your writing. So that's what I try to do is help them, you know, find, you know, the bridge between what they can include from their previous experiences and what the institution might be imposing on them and help them kind of navigate that line. I also think as an L2 writer teacher too, I try to be very understanding with my students' grammar and linguistic mistakes. I mean, I always, I'm aware that if you're committing like plagiarism issues, especially the first time, a lot of students, in my opinion, may not be aware of plagiarism. It might be a little bit different in another country than the U.S. So I always try to, like, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt the first time. But if it becomes an issue over time, that's something I need to address. And I also think that's something other teachers can consider, too. They know they have L2 writers in their classrooms. And if their L2 writer is struggling, if they can just, you know, find ways to meet, meet them halfway. Because I know when you're in a classroom of 30, it's hard to, you know, reach out to every single student. But I think if more teachers were able to, you know, be more understanding of their students' linguistic, linguistic errors that they're maybe committing because of the first language barrier, I think it would help L2 students a lot more. Thanks, Andrew. And thank you, Pedagog listeners and followers. Until next time.